So we're, um, as Jamie mentioned, we're, I think, towards the end now of a series we've been doing as a church where we are looking at, hey, it worked, um, this passage that Jesus claimed uh, for himself. He stood up in the synagogue in his hometown and said, uh, this is about me. Uh, So the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives or freedom to the prisoners, depending on the translation, and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. So we've been taking it um, in different weeks. We've been taking different parts of this passage and using that to explore other stories from the Gospels about Jesus and what he did and who he was. And so I'm speaking today about freedom for the prisoners and release for the captives um, while also thinking about this, uh, which is from the Gospel of John. And it's a story uh, that we know about when Jesus was confronted um, with the opportunity to um, condemn uh, a woman caught in adultery. So I'll just begin by reading this to us. So at dawn, Jesus went to the temple again, and all the people were coming to him. He sat down and began to teach them. Then the scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery, making her stand in the center. Teacher, they said to him, This woman was caught in the act of committing adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. So what do you say? They asked this to trap him in order that they might have evidence to accuse him. Jesus stooped down and started writing on the ground with his finger. When they persisted in questioning him, he stood up and said to them, the one without sin among you should be the first to throw a stone at her. Then he stooped down again and continued writing on the ground. When they heard this, they left one by one, starting with the older men. Only he was left with the woman in the centre. When Jesus stood up, he said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, Lord, she answered. Neither do I condemn you, said Jesus. Go, and from now on, do not sin any more. So when Jesus claimed that he had been sent to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, um, what did he mean then and what does it mean for us now? Um, The first question that I was asking myself when I came to start thinking about this was, are we even talking about the same kind of people? The context that Jesus was in then was obviously very different. um, And prisons then were used, meant a very different thing from how we understand them now. This idea that we have... um, in 21st century Britain of imprisonment being a punishment in itself. So you send someone to prison, they lose their freedom, and that's how they pay for the crimes that they've committed is a pretty modern invention. That's kind of early Victorian era, really. Uh, Before then, prisons have always been where people are held for something else to be done to them or for political reasons. So um, in in biblical times, this was both true of Israel as a nation and also uh, the kind of Roman culture as well. Um, Prisonment was used to, for example, silence those who opposed the reigning king and keep political opponents under control. Um, It was also used to keep defeated enemies under control. So a lot of prisoners of war and things would be be kept um, in the form of prison that they had then. Um, It would also be used to hold people before selling them into slavery. And slavery was often, was obviously quite a a common part of of Roman culture and is in itself a form of imprisonment in many ways. 
Um, they also had this idea of debtor's prison, which did continue for us into the kind of Victorian time, where pre if you were in debt, you could be held and you'd often have pretty horrible things done to you while you were in debtor's prison in order to try and incentivise your family to pay up for your debts. Um, and in the New Testament, we, there are a lot of examples of where prison was used uh, as an instrument of religious persecution. Lots of Jesus' disciples are held in prison at various times. We know that Paul spent time in prison. Jesus himself did in the time between his trial and, and his execution. And it's pretty obvious when you're thinking about this list of, uh, of different types of prisoner that they seem inherently unjust. And it makes sense to us that that is something that Jesus would be against. And he'd want to transform that and he'd want to proclaim freedom from those forms of oppression. Um, by contrast, people in prison in the UK today, they are either being held... Uh, because they're suspected of doing something and it's before they go to trial or it's because they have it's their actual sentence because they've been found guilty of a particular crime we have some form of trial process and um, people have usually had to commit pretty serious crimes in order to spend time in prison I have spent quite a lot of time in prison not because of my history of serious criminality um, but because I'm a lawyer and I spent the first few years of my career um, working particularly with um, with long-term prisoners, with uh, usually men, 95% of our prison population is men, which is an interesting fact in itself, um, and mostly those who had committed very serious crimes of violence. I, to the extent I had a specialism, it's probably murderers. So I'm, I'm, I've worked with a lot of murderers, basically. And many of those are very dangerous and pretty scary people and they've done horrible things and I wouldn't particularly want Jesus to be proclaiming freedom for them in a practical literal sense um, some of them might be a little bit too interested in finding out where I was um, but that I hope if that's what it means then it doesn't feel very much like good news but I don't think we can ignore the fact that the Bible tells us to care about prisoners quite a lot um, and Jesus identifies himself with them directly. He says, if you're uh, visiting those in prison, you were visiting me. Um, he identifies himself with them. And, and as I said, he himself spent time in prison. So can we dismiss the instructions to care for prisoners simply because the system of imprisonment Jesus was talking about was very different to our current system? Um, I don't think so. And I've been thinking about two ways, really, in which this proclamation of um, freedom for the prisoners, it, I think, is, is still a key part of what the kingdom of God should mean for us in our context today. The first is the freedom in the sense of freedom from judgment, freedom from condemnation, freedom from sin that we all need and that we see in this story of uh, Jesus's response. Um, so whether we recognize ourselves more in the woman who was accused of adultery or if we're honest more in the crowd that was judging her and seeking to condemn her um, Jesus offers us grace and the opportunity for new life and this is something that is is of such importance for people who have done the worst things we can imagine and found themselves in prison so I, I think in particular of, of one client I had um, many years ago who had uh, done basically the worst thing that we can kind of think of. He'd, he'd killed a, a baby, quite a young baby, um, in circumstances I won't go into because it's pretty, pretty horrifying. Um, and I knew him about 10 years after that had happened. He'd been in prison for a while. He'd 
to quite a large extent, sorted himself out. Um, he'd got rid of the drug addiction. He was out of the kind of really unhealthy relationships he'd been part of. He'd had some therapy. He'd done some courses, that kind of thing. And when I knew him, he was he was a really nice guy to work with. Seemed, seemed very normal, very nice, very um, respectful, really trying to work to kind of progress and move on in his life. But you could, you didn't have to spend much time with him or know him very well before you could just see the guilt that he was... It completely consumed him. He, he'd got to a point in his life where he understood what he'd done, and he could never get away from that. It was, it was, he was never going to be free from that. Um, and even more so because in prison, if uh, your fellow prisoners find out that you've committed an offence against a child, you are, you are in big trouble. I mean, if you want the, our kind of modern-day British equivalent to the crowd looking to stone the woman, it's a load of prisoners who found out that you commit an offence against a child, you'd you'd be in serious trouble. So he had to keep his... Even within this incredibly closed, intense, intimate structure of a prison, he had to keep his offending really secret and make sure no-one knew about it. So he's imprisoned in so many ways. He's imprisoned by the guilt and by the secrecy and by all of that. And for someone like that, Jesus' response to the woman accused is obviously incredible. It's so profound. It would mean absolute freedom and freedom not to be defined forever by the the very worst moment of his life um and that's always been really important to me as i've i've spent a lot of time working with people like this is that so i've had so many people say to me how can you know how can you work for people who've done things like that how can you justify it to yourself how can you live with that um and I have, I have many different responses to that. There are so many reasons why I love doing that work and why I think it's really important. But one of them that's always really meant a lot to me was that it's... I, I mean, I think this story teaches us that um, God would never want any of us to be defined by the very worst thing we'd ever done. If all of us... Are, if that's going to be our identity, none, none of us would be OK. None of us would stand up to that kind of scrutiny. And that's what we do with people in prison. The, you look at the tabloids, you look at the way that crimes are reported, that's the only thing we ever know about them. And that, when you're in prison, it's the thing that defines you, is, is the reason that you're there. And it's so, so incredible that, that Jesus offers this freedom from that, freedom and new life, and to move into uh, forgiveness and reconciliation. And it's really tempting to leave it there and say, right, that's, that's, the, that's what it means, that's what we're talking about. Jesus proclaims freedom for the prisoners, and that's still relevant because we all, they need forgiveness, we all need forgiveness. That's lovely. Um, but I'm, I don't want to leave it there because I, I believe, or at least I hope, that Jesus was also making a really political statement and that the, that, that political statement does still have relevance for us in the kind of 21st UK context. When I uh, left university, I studied law as an undergrad. Um, I graduated, and I knew I wanted to do good human rights-y kind of stuff, and I, my expectation was that that was going to be international stuff, that it was other countries that needed that kind of work. I'd maybe work for the UN or one of the criminal tribunals, or I would travel the world bringing our human rights to those poor people who needed it over there. And I then um, I had a year before... I was going to do a master's, but I had a year to kind of fill before that. And I happened to get, quite randomly, I got this job um, working at a tiny little law firm that specialised in representing prisoners. Um, so my very, my very first ever client meeting as a lawyer at the age of 21 um, was with in Franklin Prison, which is up in Durham, which is 
one of the most horrible prisons I've ever been to. It's one of the highest security. Massive problems with kind of race divisions and gangs and violence and all of that. And I was meeting two guys in one afternoon, both of whom were in for murder, one of whom was in for a double murder, um, which, was, which was pretty daunting. <laughs> it was my first ever client meeting. Um, but they were, it went well. They were lovely guys. We got, went on to get to know them pretty well. But that was, that experience of going and working with prisoners completely, completely transformed my intentions for my career because I was totally shocked by what I found working with people in prison. I had no idea, and I was probably very naive not to have any idea, but I had no idea about how much our prison population represents the injustice and the inequalities in our society. Because the people in prison, obviously there are exceptions to all of this, and obviously there's a huge role for individual responsibility as well, but you can't ignore the fact that they're from the poorest backgrounds in our society. So many of my clients are from a history of really severe um, abuse as children. Um, they have often had real problems with drugs and alcohol and with addiction, often being introduced to them at a very young age. Um, disproportionate number of people in prison are from a black or minority ethnic background. We know that people with that kind of background tend to have harsher sentences. They spend longer in prison. Um, a third of young male prisoners have been in care, which is compared to less than 1% of the general population. And I can't tell you the individual stories of all the people I've known in prison. Um, but I've, I was thinking about this. I think I've probably known about 40 or 50 murderers. It's probably something, something along that, those lines. Um, and it's hard to think of any about whom I could honestly say that if I'd had the same life experience and the same life chances, I could confidently say I wouldn't end up in the same place. Um, and to be in prison is a really horrible thing. Our prison system at the moment is in chaos. It's got so much worse since I first started working in prisons. Um, they're violent places at the moment that are hugely understaffed and, and really desperate, desperate places. And that's not to mention our immigration detention system, which is a whole other issue, which is where we detain people indefinitely, even though they haven't committed any crimes, but just because they've got the wrong in immigration status. And... I don't think Jesus is okay with, with this situation. I don't, I, I don't think that that's what the kingdom of God looks like. And I, I think and I hope that the kingdom of God would have something to do with reversing these circumstances. And I like the way that the theologian Chris Marshall puts it, describing the passage I mentioned where Jesus identifies himself with prisoners. He says, Jesus was not just talking here about a spiritual or psychological liberation for those imprisoned by sin and guilt. He was also talking about freeing people from the material structures and ideological systems which robbed them of freedom and dignity. So my experience has, of working with prisoners has led me to believe that God has enough grace for all of us and that we can't write anyone off. Um, I've met some really dignified, determined, um, impressive and really inspiring people in prison and there, there's no... As a lawyer, I, I don't think there's really any kind of greater privilege than working with someone who is managing to pick themselves up from the worst moment and put themselves back together and progress on and get to a point ultimately where they can be released and they can be released safely and they can go on to have a new life. And it's so beautiful when you meet people who've done that. Um, Lee Griffith, who's a theologian who's written a lot about these issues, issues says that what Jesus was telling his disciples 
is that if you want to meet God face to face, the nearest you are going to come to it on this planet is to look into the faces of your brothers and sisters, and especially your sisters and brothers who have been declared unrighteous, unclean, unacceptable. It is not that we find God there, it is that God finds us there. That is where our faith is nurtured and bears fruit. There where we expect to meet monsters, we meet God instead. The opportunity to serve God lies there among the prisoners who have been reckoned to be least deserving of any service at all. I've seen such beauty and humanity in people in prison that I want to believe, and I do believe, that God can even forgive the very worst things they've done. And if that's true of them, then I have to accept that God can forgive anything that I've done and that anyone else has done. Um, and I think that it's that, that sentence, there where we expect to meet monsters, we meet God instead. That's certainly been my experience. Um, and it's something that, that I... It, it's, it's hard to know what this kind of means for all of us. The, the forgiveness stuff is relevant for us, to us. That's amazing. The grace stuff is, ama- is relevant to us, and that's amazing. But I think what I'd leave with is if you ever have an opportunity to engage with, the, engage with prisoners, work with them, volunteer with them, anything, anything like any opportunity you have, my personal experience is to hugely recommend it because amongst the worst people in our society, I've also had some of the best experiences I've had, and it's some of the best clients I've ever had. Um, and I, I think that, as I said, that God has enough grace for them and there's so much that we can learn there about how much grace he has for us as well.